Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and for business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, we're going to focus on five tips to grow your business with content, or said another way, how to start a platform that others will love. By the way, Social Media Examiner is officially four years old on October the 12th, and I just want to say thank you. It's been an absolutely amazing ride. Thank you so much for joining us. The social media jungle is mysterious, always changing, new species popping up all over the place. And I just want to say thank you, especially if you've been with us from the very, very beginning. Uh, It seems like it's been decades. (laughs) And we have a lot more stuff in store in the future. Very exciting times ahead. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World And I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top tier guests who have been on my show, are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. Okay, with that, let's get on to today's show. Tip number one, experiment on someone else's platform. The year was 2008, and I sent Ann Hanley, who was and still is the chief content officer for marketing profs, a LinkedIn request. And back in 2008, pretty much that's what you did. You tried to connect with people on LinkedIn and you just went through your database and you tried to find everyone that you knew. And I had known Anne because at the time I was known for writing white papers. I'd written a book called Writing White Papers. I'd spoken at Anne's conferences and around the world. And um, I'd written 
for marketing profs on white papers and white paper marketing. So it was natural that I would reach out to Anne and ask her for a LinkedIn request. Her response in hindsight was very, very important for me. She asked, are you on Facebook? And I paused for quite some time and I realized, whoa, Facebook. And I replied back to her and I said, I thought Facebook was just for college students. And I guess it had opened recently and I didn't know it for other people. So because she asked that question, I decided to fiddle into unknown territory and set up my very first and only personal Facebook account. Then I also began noticing that Brian Clark over at copyblogger.com was really beginning to get very excited about Twitter. And I knew Brian because I've also written for Copyblogger because obviously I was a writer and Copyblogger was my target audience. And I was kind of perplexed as to why he was really going nuts about this thing called Twitter, which I did not understand at all. So that's kind of the backstory to lead you up to what I did next. Because I frankly understood Facebook a little more than I did Twitter, I decided to take Twitter on face to face. And what I did was I approached Brian and I said, Brian, I would like to write an article on Twitter. Now I know that I've typically written on uh, white papers and you know that on my blog, uh, that's all I write about, but would you be willing to let me write an article on Twitter? And he said, sure, go for it. So I wrote an article called, called How to Use Twitter to Grow Your Business. And by the way, just to flash forward a little bit, that article was one of the most popular articles on Copyblogger for years. It's got 254 comments and it was profiled in the sidebar of Copyblogger for literally years after I wrote it. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I also, a few months after I published that article, I reached out to Ann Hanley at Marketing Profs and I said, Ann, I wrote this popular article for Copyblogger. I'd like to write an article for you called The Dark Side of Twitter, What Businesses Need to Know. And she said, sure, go for it. And I'm going to tell you that about a year later, Anne told me that this was the single most popular article for the entire year on Marketing Profs. So I'm going to tell you how I did what I did in these articles. And it's my hope that when you listen to this story, you'll begin to think, oh, okay, that's really interesting. I could do that too. Because both of these articles were extremely popular. And let me confess, I knew nothing about Twitter. I was woefully unqualified to write a single word about Twitter. But this is how I did it. What I did was I kind of put on my journalistic hat. And I said to myself, all right, what would a journalist do if they were covering something that they knew nothing about? Well, the obvious first thing to do would be to reach out to those that do. So in the case of Copyblogger, I reached out to absolutely everybody that I knew, and even people I did not know, and I asked them just a very simple question. What is your best tip about how to use Twitter to grow your business? Some of the people that I emailed was Tony Shea, who was the CEO of Zappos, and surprisingly, he responded with a really rich response. I also emailed John Jans from Duct Tape Marketing, Brian Clark himself, and uh, a lot of people that, frankly, no one has ever heard of before. And what I ended up getting back was this enormous insight from dozens of people. 
And then what I did was I filtered through all of it and I tried to figure out how to make an article out of it. So the beginning of the article was, what is Twitter again? And then the next article was, why high profile people use Twitter? And I used their words and quotes. And then I said, practical ways Twitter can help your business. Because during my reaching out to all these people, um, someone by the name of Cindy King, who is now the editorial director uh, for Social Media Examiner, came back with a really creative Twitter plan. And I profiled her in that article. Uh, And tons of other people provided all sorts of interesting tips and tools and resources. So this entire article, frankly, just took off. And it was published at a time when the market was ready for it. Now, I've got to tell you, if I can back up for a second, why I even decided to write these articles. And this might be something you're thinking about right now. Perhaps you are doing well with what you are creating right now and you've established some sort of a a platform but you're beginning to see things that might be opportunities down the road and this might allow you an opportunity to pivot or might allow your company an opportunity to establish some thought leadership in a new area and one of the things that I was seeing was that in the world of writing and in the world of marketing writing like white papers Social media was becoming more and more important. So I began to experiment, and that's what led to the story that I'm sharing with you right now. Now, in the case of marketing profs, I decided to explore. And by the way, I published the article on Copyblogger on uh, December 31st, 2008. And on February 24th, 2009, which is about two months later, I published the article on marketing profs. And it was about the dark side of Twitter. And at the time, you may remember an airplane crashed in the Hudson River. And one of the first people on the scene were consumers with their iPhones. And a gentleman by the name of Janice Crooms um, was in a barge nearby and snapped a picture and put it up on Twitter. And this is the picture that showed up on the front of every newspaper in the country at the time. And I called it the shot scene around the world. And this was an interesting story about citizen journalism and a little subsection to kind of help the audience understand the value of Twitter. But then what I did was I went on to talk to lots of people about what's the dark side of Twitter. I asked everybody that I had met as a result of the copy blogger article, what are the deep, dark things? And we talked about trolls and squatters and mistakes that keep people make. And we even... I even had an, a section there called Twitter crack <laughs> and how it's so addictive. So here's the take-home message. The reason why these articles were so successful was not just because they were written by someone who happens to be a writer. I think the reason they were so successful is because I reached out to people and I gathered lots of insight from lots of people and they were in that article and they helped share it. And that's kind of one of the key take-home benefits here. Some of the other benefits to publishing content on someone else's platform in this journalistic kind of approach is you get a chance to test whether or not the topic is going to resonate with an already established audience that um, may be similar to the audience that you're trying to build. That's one of the benefits. Another one is it can be extremely popular, as was witnessed with these two articles, perhaps some of the most popular articles of the year on each one of these publications. It's also a gift to those people 
that you profile in the article. And you want to be very careful about making sure that whoever you mention in the article actually adds value to the article and not just mentioning people for the sake of mentioning people. So three take-home lessons to experimenting on someone else's platform. Number one, it allows you to make sure that your content is going to be popular before you decide to either A, build a new platform with this type of content, or B, start impregnating that content into your existing platform. Said a different way, it really helps you reduce the risk because you get a chance to try something to a known audience. Number two is almost anyone, frankly, is approachable for a journalistic opportunity. And what I mean by that is when you're writing for a known platform that is large in your industry, you can leverage that to connect with people like I did with Tony Shea, who is the CEO of Zappos. And I think that's really an incredible opportunity for you to get some very, very great content. And number three, you're setting the stage for something big if it's done right. Now, what I will tell you right now was that these articles and the success of these articles are what justified later in 2009, in October of 2009, October 12th of 2009, me starting socialmediaexaminer.com. And if you've been listening for a while, you know how important that's been for so many people. So that's tip number one, experiment on someone else's platform. Tip number two is to do a reverse Trojan horse. And let me explain what that means. So what is a Trojan horse? Well, if you remember your Greek mythology classes back in high school, it's that big wooden statue that the Greeks hid in as they were wheeled into Troy. And they came out of the bottom of the thing, and basically that's how they were able to defeat Troy, because Troy thought this was this beautiful piece of art that was being given to them, when in reality, it turned out to be a weapon used against them. Now, you might be wondering, well, what in the world does a Trojan horse have to do with with content and growing with content? Well, I want you to think about it this way. When you reverse it, when you do a reverse Trojan horse, rather than releasing warriors, I want you to be thinking about gathering data while other people march you around. It was January of 2009. And I conducted this thing called the Social Media Marketing Industry Survey. I basically asked hundreds of marketers to complete a very simple survey. And in exchange for completing the survey, they would receive a comprehensive report that was going to be released a few months later. Now, the outcome of all this data that I got was a really rich 26-page PDF file. And what I did was I used a lot of my background in writing white papers to kind of put together what I call this report. And some of the things that I asked about in the report were, for example, what's the biggest question about social media that you want answered? And it was literally open-ended. And I actually have memories of hiring like an intern to cut up pieces of paper and having them stacked all over the office and grouping them into categories to try to figure out what were the top 10 questions everybody wanted answered. 
Uh, other things I asked for was, for example, which social media networks are you using? How much time is it taking you? How has it benefited you? And what do you want to learn more about? So these were the kinds of questions that I asked in this reverse Trojan horse. Now, my real goal, if I can be very transparent with you, was to collect intelligence on the marketplace. Because, like I had mentioned, I was flying off the success of that copy blogger article and the one that was going to be published shortly thereafter on Marketing Profs. And I wanted to get my head around the actual challenges that are faced by marketers when it came to social media. Another goal was establishing myself as a thought leader, even though this is yet another example of not me, but rather much data from many people and me simply interpreting it, this I knew would help me. Now, the response from this 26-page report that was published in March of 2009 was crazy. It was off the hook. More than 40,000 people downloaded this report in a matter of weeks. We had over 400 comments on White Paper Source, which is where this lived. And what's really cool, some of the unintended benefits of doing this for me was because I called the report the Social Media Marketing Industry Report, I was the first person to quote-unquote claim an industry in this space. And I've done this before, of course, with the white paper world. And a lot of people gathered around that. And a lot of people actually hailed this report, used this report, referenced this report, dropped it on their boss's desk. People are writing about it all over the web. And what's really intriguing is, unbeknownst to me, I showed up on the first page of Google for social media marketing for three years as a result of this one report. It also landed me major speaking gigs at Blog World and Marketing Profs, and I was able to reveal some of the data in the report, but also reveal how I helped get the word out about the report using marketing. And I think the most important thing was I got intelligence, raw intelligence from 900 marketers about the biggest challenges that they were facing. Do you understand the value of that? With that data, I could literally create content for a new publication I was going to be launching called Social Media Examiner that with a great deal of certainty was sure to be extremely well-received, popular, and viral. So the take-home lessons here of doing a reverse Trojan horse are as follows. Number one, make sure that there's a value or a benefit to everyone who would likely participate. In my particular case, I told them that they would get a free copy of the report. And everyone wanted to, of course, see what everyone else was thinking about the space. Secondly, let your reverse Trojan horse work for you. What's great about Trojan horses is they kind of just get marched around by people. And that's great. But at the other end of the, of the equation is inside of this Trojan horse, which is this industry report, is so much data 
that it allowed me to eliminate the guesswork about what I thought, you know, the world was interested in or what my hunches were. In reality, it confirmed them. And in some cases, it showed me where I should be focusing. And then the third take-home lesson here is that start developing some content that you know people want as a result of the data that you put together. So those are the first two tips. Experiment on someone else's platform. Do a reverse Trojan horse. Tip number three is to build relationships early. And let me explain. It was the summer, no, the winter of 2008. And because I was experimenting with Facebook, as I mentioned earlier, one of the people that kept showing up in my newsfeed over and over again, who was doing really creative things, was Denise Wakeman of the Blog Squad. She was super active on Facebook. It became very apparent to me that she knew her stuff. And Denise and I had known each other because she used to do a podcast or a show of some sort, and I was a guest on it when I was the white paper guy. So I reached out to Denise and spoke with her, and she told me that I needed to go to a conference that was going to be coming up in town where I live, and in particular, she was going to introduce me to someone who was in her mastermind who she thought I would be very impressed with. And that woman's name was Mari Smith. Now, I went to this conference as a total rookie. I soaked up everything as a sponge. Like, it was crazy. I was just like, wow, this is so cool. Because it was an entirely new world that was opened up to me. And it would turn out down the road that both Denise Wakeman and Mari Smith would be extremely instrumental in the launch of Social Media Examiner. I didn't even know I was going to be launching Social Media Examiner at the time. Now, while I was at this conference, Denise Wakeman had this little thing, uh, which I'd never seen before, which was a flip camera. And she interviewed me, and the interview is in the show notes. It's kind of funny. If you get a chance to watch it, it's only a few minutes long. But during the process of being interviewed by her, I confess that one of the things that I saw as a great opportunity was the opportunity to interview, quote unquote, experts and do it very easily and do it very quickly. And some light bulbs started going off in my head, which I'll get to a little bit later. So I ended up after the conference getting my very own flip camera and I started interviewing people on my writing white paper blog because I knew how great it was to be in that other position of the person being interviewed and how great of a gift it was to be given an opportunity to share a little bit of my story on someone else's platform. So I started interviewing people like David Merman Scott, Jason Falls, Jason Alba. And I want to share an interesting story with you about Jason. Now, Jason used to work for an agency and Jason used to be very interested in what I was doing because I think he was looking to produce white papers. Somewhere along the way, Jason pivoted into social media. And he was going to be in town. And I reached out to him because I happened to notice on Facebook that he was going to be in town. And I said, hey, I'd love to do an interview with you. And he said, okay, I'm going to be speaking at this conference. It ends at this time. Why don't you meet me uh, downtown? So I went down. We went into a, one of the spare rooms that where the conference wasn't going on. 
and I just set up the little camera uh, on the table and I interviewed him and I'll include the interview in the show notes. And after the interview, he and I had a chance to just go to the, the bar and just hang out. And he, one of his clients was Maker's Mark, and he said, hey, you want to try some Maker's Mark? I think I ended up having a beer. But we just got a chance to connect together um, as people, you know, and it was really kind of cool. And it later turned out that Jason Falls was going to be extremely instrumental in the future of Social Media Examiner. Little did I know that at the time, um, he was working with the folks over at Blog World to put together their tracks for their social media track of blog world. And as time went on, he helped me secure our speaking slot talking about that social media marketing industry report that I had released. So moral of the story is build relationships early and often because you never know how they could lead to something down the road. Had I needed to build these relationships very rapidly, it would have been artificial. But because I was just naturally inquisitive and wanted to go to events and wanted to meet people and wanted to learn and wanted to share some of their story with my platform so that I could evangelize social media to my platform, it began the process of, of building what I'll call lifelong relationships. Now, the best way to build relationships is to get to know the person in person. And what I mean by that is physically connect with people if you can. And I think one of the easiest ways to do that is to find out when people are going to be in town and perhaps offer an opportunity to them to get on camera maybe. Secondly, give them a gift without expecting anything in return. In order to do this, you have to know what people want most. And in the case of Mari Smith, who I interviewed, and Denise Wakeman, and Jason Falls, they were all interested in growing their platform. They wanted exposure. I had a decent-sized platform at the time. I had about 25,000 email subscribers on my uh, white paper thing, and I had a decent-sized blog. Not super huge by any stretch of the imagination, but I knew what they wanted, and I was able to give them what they wanted, and in their eyes, that was valuable, and that was a gift. But it was also a relationship-building process. So the take-home lessons of building relationships early is, number one, they take time to build. Just like any relationship with any person, it's extremely rare that you meet someone and you just hit it off and you're best buddies. It does take time. So you have to be thinking forward about the kinds of relationships you want to build now and how some of them may or may not benefit you or the other person down the road. And the second take-home lesson is invest in the success of other people. Do everything you can. Even to this day, when I was recently at a conference, uh, Rich Brooks Agents of Change conference, and Chris Brogan and I had a chance to sit down on the couch, one of the things I said is, how can I help you? Now, that's a really rare thing to ask people, especially when they are very successful. And there's almost always something you can do to help people. But even the gesture is very, very well received when it's said, with a true intent, a positive intent. So truly invest in helping other people and they're going to likely help you down the road. So, so far we've, we've mentioned three things. Number one, experiment on somebody else's platform. Number two, do a reverse Trojan horse. And number three, build relationships early. Had I not built relationships with Denise Wakeman, with Jason Falls, 
and with Mari Smith and others, I know for a fact I wouldn't have gotten these speaking gigs. Social Media Examiner would not have been as big as it is and as it was. Tip number four, go to the well. And let me explain what I mean by go to the well. If you think about a well in olden days, like for example, if we think about Jerusalem way back in the olden days in the Bible, the well is where everyone had to go basically to get water. It was a gathering place that you knew everyone was going to go to. Now, when I say go to the well, what I really mean is go to the conferences where everyone gathers. And while you're there, why not take what I did with the flip camera to an entirely new level and interview people that are there to speak or interview people that are there to be on panels? One thing you should know about conferences, and I'm going to kind of give you a little behind the scenes. Obviously, we do our own conference. There are certain kinds of people that agree to get up on stage and share a story. And these are the kind of people that want people to hear their story. Oftentimes they've got brand new books out or they've got new things that they're about to announce or they're trying to establish themselves as a thought leadership person. So when you get the opportunity to go to the well, when you get the opportunity to ask these people that have already been pre-vetted by the conference folks and that already have a certain level of knowledge because they passed the test and they're speaking at this event, when you do that, you have this incredible opportunity to get lots of interviews done. What I did was I wandered around Blog World when we were three days old with a microphone in my hand and a little flag on it that said Social Media Examiner. And I went up to people like Chris Brogan. And as a matter of fact, I was just recently talking to Chris and Chris said to me, Mike, I remember vividly four years ago when you came up to me with your microphone and your little card in your hand that had the questions you wanted to ask me and you politely pulled me away from the crowd so that we could be interviewed in a quiet place and you interviewed me and asked me really intelligent questions. He said that is stuck with me even to this day four years later. So when you do these interviews with experts, this is like an extension of building relationships, but it takes it to an entirely new level. Because you're not only building relationships through the process of doing great interviews, you're also developing great content and you're providing that content to your audience. And there's a lot of great benefits that happen. One of them is guilt by association. In the early days of Social Media Examiner, because we interviewed so many high profile people because they were all at this event. And I did the same thing when I was in Chicago at Marketing Profs Conference. Because I was able to build these relationships through these interviews, the end result was that people came to Social Media Examiner, they saw all these great people that they were interviewing, and all of a sudden they wanted to be interviewed with Social Media Examiner, or they wanted to share those interviews. So it was a really spectacular way to develop deep, deep relationships, but also to develop incredible content. Go to the well. That's tip number four. And really the take-home lessons here are, number one, you don't need to work very hard to find the people at the well because they're all going there. Just find the right event and go there and be strategic about inviting people to be you know, speaking to you either on camera or with audio in the form of a podcast. The other take-home lesson is that this doing this is very, very efficient. Because you can walk away from a conference with 10 or 15 or 20 interviews that 
can help your content really be spread out over time and be very, very successful. And I will tell you that these interviews that we did with so many influential people in the world of social media were absolutely critical and essential to the growth of Social Media Examiner. So go to the well, wherever that happens to be, and get those interviews and build those relationships and watch what happens. Tip number five, which is my last tip, is to award others. In my second book, Launch, I talk about how all people are interested in one of three three things, or possibly even all of them. They want access to great information, which is your great content. They want access to great people. And the last thing is, they want to be recognized. People love to be recognized. If you ever watched Cheers when you were younger, you want to go somewhere where everybody knows your name. And recognition is one of the best rewards that you can give to people. I started a contest called the Top 10 Social Media Blog Awards back in December of 2009. I awarded the winners in July of 2009. And... I recruited as judges Scott Monty from Ford Motor Company, Ann Hanley from Marketing Profs, and David Meerman Scott, who I'd mentioned earlier. Now, Ann and David I had built relationships with because uh, I had interviewed David. Obviously, I'd spoken, written for Ann. And Scott Monty, I actually interviewed also when I was at Blog World and built some rapport with Scott. And by the way, a little side note about Scott did you know that he has this amazing ability to do Simpson character impersonations? That's a story for another day. So this top 10 contest was designed to not be this kind of like, here's my random list. Instead, what I decided to do was to ask the readers of Social Media Examiner, we were only a couple months old, to nominate their favorite blog. And they only had the opportunity to nominate one. And then what we ended up doing was accumulating all these nominations and making sure that they truly were a blog focused on social media. And then we put together all that data in a spreadsheet. We sent it off to our judges and we asked them to help us decide who the winners were. And the number one winner, which may be of no surprise to people that know him, was Chris Brogan. And in the post, we referred to him as the Elvis of social media and the king of common sense. And the number four winner, though, was an interesting story. It was Jay Bear. And let me give you the backstory on Jay Bear. When I was speaking at that marketing profs conference that I mentioned earlier in Chicago when we were only a couple days old, Jay impressed the heck out of me. And I asked Jay if he would come to write a regular column for Social Media Examiner. And he said, sure, why not? And sure enough, people were really loving Jay Bear's stuff on his own blog. And the nominations came in and Jay Bear was the number four winner. And above him was uh, Mashable, and above Mashable was Jason Fall's Social Media Explorer. Now, here's what Jay Bear said in the comment section. This is some of what he said. Considering 18 months ago I'd never written a blog post, I'm thrilled that my quest of dominating Jason Falls is almost complete. But I remember all too clearly how it feels to be writing what you believe to be good content, and nobody but your mom is reading it. Now, this is a really important statement that Jason is saying here. Jay, Jason, he goes by both names. What he's really saying here is it's nice to be recognized. 
And every really, everybody really does care about this kind of stuff. Uh, another winner was um, the Kikolani blog by Christy Hines. And as a result of discovering Christy Hines through this process, uh, she ended up becoming one of our staff writers for Social Media Examiner. So how does all this connect back to growing with content? Well, there's a couple things to keep in mind. Number one, when you can encourage people to vote and have a finalist process and and an award process that's respectable in your industry, you're going to get the attention of a lot of people in your space. Number two, it's a great piece of content that others are going to want to share because chances are very good that people are going to discover blogs or original content that is not your own content that will be very, very useful. And I know that a lot of the winners of this contest, which we've been doing for years now, it has made a huge difference in in their lives and in their blogs exposure and business. So this kind of stuff just forms to be a great piece of content. But I think what's even more exciting is the way that it can help you build relationships with people that um, emerge as a result of the nomination process. So three three take-home lessons are as follows. Revealing the best in a category is also a really good gift for the winners. Number two, People love to be recognized, so recognize them, even if it means sending them away from your own website. And number three, it can lead to incredible opportunities down the road. I can tell you with great confidence that a lot of the people that have won our contest, I've developed incredible relationships with, and many of them have gone on to speak at our conferences and many other things. So in summary, if you want to grow with content and you want to know how to Start a respectable platform that other people are going to love. First and foremost, start experimenting on somebody else's platform that's not your own and see whether or not the kinds of content you're thinking about producing resonate with people. And why not be smart and interview a lot of people and work them into that story? Tip number two is to do a reverse Trojan horse. Why not put together a report? Use the data inside the report to justify your future content creation, but also create a great piece of content as a result of that report that will, that will be carried and heralded all over the place. Tip number three, build relationships early. These relationships that you build with people oftentimes will open up opportunities for people to create content for you, for you to interview them and extract content from their mind and open up lots of doors like Jason Falls did with me in Blog World. Tip number four is go to the well. Go to the places where all these experts are gathering. Give them a gift. Interview them. Share their story. Make relationships with these people. And then tip number five is to award other people. Showcase truly incredible people and what they're doing. And this is the way that we grew social media examiner from an absolute no one in the world of social media to what we are today, which is hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people that are consuming our content on a regular basis. I hope you are inspired by this story. If you want to hear more of these kinds of things in the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. And the best way to let me know is by going to our show notes, which I'm going to reveal in just a few seconds.
Well, I hope you found that useful. It was great for me to share with you some of the stories of what led to the success of Social Media Examiner, but hopefully packaging them in a way that you found useful, actionable, and I hope you really make the best out of it. If you have any questions or you'd like to hear more of this kind of podcast from me, would you visit our show notes uh, and leave a comment in the comment section at the bottom, socialmediaexaminer.com slash 62. Also, I have a favor. If you are listening to this device on any kind of an Apple product, would you do me a huge favor and visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes, hit the subscribe button and give us a rating and review. And if you're listening to this on Stitcher, we would also love a rating and a review. This does bring us to the end of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I definitely will be back next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.